I just knew when I woke up today and the sun was shining that this was going to be a good day. I hope that you can tell somebody in the room, wherever you are today, that today is going to be a good day. And, and why? Because God is with us. Because new mercies come every single morning and today is going to be a good day. So let's just say that today is going to be a good day. I've got this really awesome airplane. Well, the reason I have this airplane, and, and I want you to see this, is, is because this is Pastor Greg's. I, I borrowed it from him. And today we're going to talk about airplanes, but we're going to talk about Jesus too, because, you know, I, I kind of like Jesus, and so I really want to talk about him today. But I wanted to, to bring this airplane, um, and, and just to show this to you, this is like a remote um, control airplane, and Pastor Greg, I've heard, is fantastic at doing this, at, like flying planes around in fields, planes of all different sizes. He actually had to buy a trailer because one of his planes was too big to fit in his Jeep. So this guy is dedicated to, uh, to these planes. And so I just, I think it's pretty cool. I've never tried it. I would imagine the plane would not look like this after I had flown it because I'm pretty sure it would be on the ground in a zillion pieces. Well, this plane uh, kind of reminds me that I'm kind of hoping and dreaming that sometime soon I can get on a plane and go somewhere tropical. Are you hoping that? Are you dreaming for that? Are you feeling like we've been stuck in COVID for so long and I just want to get on a plane? I don't actually care where it takes me. Well, nowhere north, okay? Somewhere south preferably somewhere where there's a beach because I just can't wait to get out of here. And, and I don't know if that's God's plan for me, but I think we're all feeling this restriction and we just can't wait to get on a plane and go somewhere. And I wondered, you know, I was thinking a lot about this this, this week, what kind of a flyer are you? So when you are flying somewhere and if you just imagine like you're on your way to some wonderful destination to go see family or friends or, or maybe it's just a vacation, what kind of a flyer are you? Are you the one who, who gets into the plane and you're like gripping your bags and you're like holding on to your stuff and, and you feel like, you know, you're stressed out, like you're already freaking out in the plane doors haven't even closed, but you're like so worried that something bad's going to happen. And then, and then you like sit down and you get all buckled in and then you're like gripping onto the seat like your knuckles are white because you're so nervous and so scared and just imagining in your mind the thousand different ways that this plane could like plummet to the ground and you could die. Like, are you that kind of a flyer who's just like sitting there like stressed out or, or freaked out? Or are you the one that gets on the plane and you have your earbuds in and you're like, I'm not going to look at anybody. No, I'm not going to make eye contact. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just, I just want to be by myself. And so I'm not going to talk to anybody this flight. I'm not going to make eye contact. Yeah, just keep my earbuds in, right? Are you that kind of flyer? Or are you the one it was like so chill. You're like, you know, on a first name basis with the stewardess. You're like, hey, stewardess Brittany, like, how's your dog? How's the family? How's life? Because it, it just feels like everybody knows who you are because you've been on the plane so many times and you're so comfortable with where you're at. 
Well, what about when there's that hush that comes over the plane? What happens to you then in that moment? You know that moment, right? Where the plane is like at the runway, but it ha you know the, the pilot hasn't put the pedal to the metal, you haven't taken off, and there's just that hush. And everyone kind of quiets, and it's that anticipation. Again, are we going to die? Are we going to live? Is this going to be all right, right? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And it's this moment of waiting, right? Waiting for, for the plane to take off. Well, God is the master at waiting for the perfect time. And he is the master at waiting to bring the main event. And you know, last week we heard how God, the Trinity, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth at the exact time that they determined that it would be, and that nothing was copycatted or recycled. Every single thing that was breathed out of the Trinity was brand new and exactly how God had imagined it, right? And then we also heard that sin entered the world, and then if you basically go into the Old Testament, you can read this story, this love story between God and humanity, the ones that he created and, and the ones who now have sin, and God just keeps trying to to give them provision, to give them blessing, to give covenant and promises, right? To deliver them, to judge them, to bring them along, right? But the world is so messed up. And then God is like, I'm going to send my perfect son, Jesus Christ, to go and to clean up this mess. And again, God waits for the perfect time. You see, God had talked and talked through the judges and the prophets in the Old Testament, and they would hear from him. And then he, he, he just like paused, and he was silent for 400 years, and he waited for the exact moment, I think when he had anticipation and he had everyone's attention. And then in Galatians 4, 4, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, capital S, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, God doesn't just do these things by chance. Like, God's not random. Like, I'm pretty scattered and pretty random. God's not like that. He's not like, oh, you know what? Maybe today we should send Jesus down to the earth. Like, you know, does today feel like a good day for him to go and redeem humanity? No, I didn't sleep well. Let's wait till tomorrow, Holy Spirit. It, you know, like God's not like that, right? He has a purpose. He has intention in every single thing that he does. And he has reasons why he wants us to wait and why he waits. You see, Jesus wasn't just born in a hospital or a palace. If you think about it, God does it so humbly so that the humble will notice, Right? He does it so humbly so the humble will notice. And, and Jesus is born in a manger. And then God doesn't just do it with fanfare and, and that kings and royalty would know about it. He does it so that he can direct the humble to go and to see Jesus. And what was Jesus doing? Well, he was just a baby, yes. But he was waiting there. It wasn't that the shepherds and the wise men decided now is the time for Jesus 
Jesus decided now is the time. God decided now is the time. And then Jesus waited there. And the angels and the star directed the shepherds and the wise men to come to Jesus because Jesus was waiting there for them. And that's exactly how God does it over and over again. And since the second, the moment that Jesus stepped onto this earth, he has been waiting. He has been waiting for you to turn your heart back towards him. He has been waiting for humanity to take this step towards him and to receive him as he waits. And he hasn't stopped waiting for that embrace He keeps on waiting because he is patient and he is perfect. And have you ever wondered, like I was thinking about this a couple months ago, like how did Jesus contain himself when he got to earth? Like I know, like uh, I have three kids and so our oldest son is married and he's moved out of the home. And so when he comes home and Taylor, his wife, when they come home, we are so excited to see them. Like we can barely contain ourselves as a family. And so Noah will like, you know, go in the living room and then Eden is like all over him, hugging him because we're a family of physical touch as a love language. And and so then Eden is hugging him and then Noah and Taylor will like go into the living room and then Dwayne is hugging them and then they come into the kitchen and I'm hugging them because we just can't contain the love that we have for our kids, right? And it got me to thinking, if I can barely contain it with my 21-year-old son and my 21-year-old daughter-in-law, how does God contain his love for us. I'm imperfect and he is perfect. How does he contain it? And it got me to thinking like when Jesus came to the earth and he was growing up, he must have just wanted to look at people like into their soul and say, I've made you with purpose. I've made you with destiny. And I don't know how he would have contained himself thinking, like this one here, I put extra strength and I put determination. That one there is a warrior. And he must have just been like oozing all over himself, trying to contain this perfect love that he has for humanity. And it's no wonder that everywhere that Jesus went, he performed miracles, that he healed people, that he loved people, that he took time to listen to them because this was his people. This, this is his creation. This is his first love. And so it's no wonder when we look through the Gospels that we see over and over again this incredible love that he has for people. And, and I went to the book of Luke, and just in four chapters... Here's here's what I found, and you could probably go and find more. But in chapter 4 of Luke, Jesus went into the desert, and he's led by the Spirit. And then the enemy comes to tempt him, and Jesus went. Now, remember, Jesus, he's omniscient, right? He's omnipresent. Like, he knows everything. And he goes into the desert, knowing this was part of God's sufficient plan for him to overcome temptation so that he could be an example for you and I. And then it continues on in chapter 4. And Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law of a high fever. And in in chapter 5, he waits for the people so that he can teach them. He's so patient. And he heals a man of leprosy. And he heals a paralyzed man. And he heals the centurion's servant. And he resurrects 
takes a widow's son from death to life, and he waited for the woman to anoint his body, to wash his feet with that perfume, and he calms the storm, and he heals the man legion who's demon-possessed, and he resurrects Jairus' 12-year-old daughter who had died, and he heals the woman with the issue of bleeding, and that's just in four chapters of the book of Luke, Okay? That's the kind of love that he has for us, this uncontainable love for every single one of us. And maybe you haven't heard that in a while, but God loves you. Oh, man, he loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, part of himself to earth because he loves you. And you know, when we look through the Gospels and we read these things and we we read these miracles of what Jesus did, why do we think our problems are too big for God? Why do we think that God is not trustworthy of our problems? We know that Jesus heals and he resurrects and he breathes new life into dead things. We know this. It's not just in the Old Testament and the New Testament, back in, in those biblical days that Jesus and that God did these things. I know of somebody who was healed of cancer just a few years ago. I know of somebody else who couldn't, adopt, couldn't have children, and so then God brought it together that they could adopt two little boys. I was healed while I was pregnant with my last daughter, um, Eden. I know that God provides a way. I know because I am blessed. Because I live a life of blessing. So I know that God is real and that he is who he says he is. So why is it then that we don't trust him with our stuff? Why? Well, I kind of come back to this plane, airplane analogy. And I think it's because we get stuck in holding patterns, all right? So Wikipedia, which is, you know, very accurate and, and very trustworthy, says in aviation... Holding is a maneuver designed to delay an aircraft already in flight while keeping it within a specific airspace, okay? So it's stuck in a specific airspace. It can't go over here, can't go over there. It's got to be right here in this airspace, and it's in this holding pattern, and it's just kind of making circles. It's just kind of, you know, ring around the rosy, like going around a merry-go-round, and I, I actually going backwards. I should go forwards. There it is. Yeah, that's better. Planes don't go that way. <laughs> Planes go that way. That's right. Well, this plane is waiting for the perfect time to land. And I wonder, is it that we are stuck in this holding pattern as a fearful flyer, right? Remember how I asked at the beginning, what kind of flyer are you? Well, what kind of follower of Jesus are you? Are you a fearful flyer? Are you stuck in this holding pattern and you can't move forward because you're too scared to move, right? Like, I want to move forward. I want to go and do the things that Jesus wants me to do. I want to go talk to that person about Jesus. I want to trust God with my finances. I want to go on a mission trip, but we don't really trust God. Like, if we're really honest, isn't that what this can kind of come down to? We don't trust God. You see, because we don't like waiting, because we don't like trusting. And if I'm waiting on God, then I'm trusting in God, right? Let that soak for a second. If I'm waiting on God, then I'm trusting in God. 
And that makes me fearful in a lot of ways because what if God doesn't know what he's doing? What if I'm in that holding pattern and he, he doesn't see me? What if he doesn't understand what's really going on in my life and that this is time sensitive and I need him to answer now? And like, what if he doesn't realize how important this thing is to me? And, and it's almost in some ways kind of ridiculous to say it out loud, isn't it? But this is where our thoughts go. And if we take an honest evaluation and we get to the root of it, it's that we are not trusting God. We don't see immediate results. We don't see answers to our prayers. And so we start to panic and to fear, and we forget. Jesus, God the Father, Holy Spirit, are omniscient, um, omnipresent, and um, uh, omnipotent. Sorry, I got confused on those. Right? And that's the God that I am trusting in. And so I wait upon the Lord because I trust in the Lord. That's the question. Do I trust in the Lord? Am I willing to wait because I trust him? I trust that there's going to be a great outcome. I trust that even in that holding pattern, he is going to land this plane and it's going to be so much better than anything I could have ever asked or imagined. You see, and if I don't trust him, how am I going to build that trust? Well, I believe that trust is a state of mind and I can choose it and I can believe it. I can check my mind and I can choose to believe God is who he says he is. I mean, there's proof everywhere in my life and in your life, but I choose to believe it, right? I choose to trust. And so I hold those thoughts accountable. And when I start to worry and, and doubt that I can trust God, I say, nope, I'm going to monitor my feelings, I'm going to monitor my thoughts, and I'm going to choose to trust in God. And I'm also going to get to know him so well that there's no doubt in my mind that he is for me and not against me, right? And, and I want us to understand that when we choose to trust in God, this is not choosing to trust in people, all right? And that's often what we do. We think, well, people around me aren't trustworthy. I, I've told them something and, and then they've gossiped about it or they've stabbed me in the back or they've lied or they've cheated or they've stole from me. And so then we take this idea of trust from our human relationships and we project that onto God. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I will never lie, cheat, steal, double-cross you, or leave you alone. You can trust in me. And so let's separate those two. And, and keep in mind, uh, if there's people around you that you can't trust, I, I hope that you can forgive them and get some healthier relationships. But keep that separate. God is trustworthy. You can trust in him. He is who he says he is. And so we saturate our heart and our mind and our soul with the word of God and with praise because when we are praising and praying, this is how we get to know God. And when we get to know somebody better, we learn we can trust in them. And when I, when I get to know someone, then I know that they can be my friend and they're going to be there for me. But the thing is, again, with a person, they could let me down. God will never he will never let me down. So I get to know his character and his goodness of who he is because then I can trust him more and more and more. All right, well, 
The, the, next, um, the next holding pattern that I think that we get stuck in, and, um, and this, this is a holding pattern, oh, and we're up here, right? We're still on the plane, but what's happening is that we get stuck in this anger and frustration and these bad habits, and I'm relating this to the seat kicker. Have you ever been on a plane, and the seat kicker is sitting beso- behind you, and they are like, kick? kick, kick, and you're just like looking around like, does anybody see this? Does anybody see the person behind me? Kick. And it's just like you are getting like poked and poked, and what do you really want to do? You want to turn around and rip their head off for kicking the back of your seat, right? That's the seat kicker, and maybe you've been the seat kicker. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure most of us have been um, the butt of somebody behind us, kicking that seat and pushing those buttons. Well, I was having coffee a few uh, weeks ago with Shauna Barnes, and she said I could use this um, example with, uh, with us today. And she talked about how she had dealt with anger years ago, like 20 years ago. Like Jesus had really worked on her heart and just really delivered her from this reaction of anger in her life. And she had changed her habits and she had worked really hard to be able to respond differently in situations and not out of anger. But then she felt like since COVID, this this seat kicker has like been behind her, kind of pushing those buttons. And she's noticed that anger is like bubbling up. And she said it was like it was coming up out of the ground, right? And there was this like kind of clutter, this like dust, right? Just this little bit of just this like nagging, niggling little thing, right? Just kind of annoying her and rerouting her so that she wasn't responding in the way that was her normal, right? Out of grace, out of love, out of mercy. And, um, and, and just as she's been cope, uh, cooped up, she has been um, flared up a little bit in this this person behind her almost, right? It just has that feeling to it. And so the negative feelings that she had dealt with years ago had resurfaced. And I don't know if you've noticed that uh, in your own life, but I have. I've noticed I am way more defensive than I, have, than I have been. Again, it was like one of those bad habits that I had laid aside, that I had worked with, that I had dealt with. And all of a sudden, it's like that seat kicker is behind me. And he's just like pushing my buttons. And I'm feeling more defensive. And I wonder for you, is it negativity or bitterness or mistrust or anger or like me, defensiveness. And I think um, if we take a hard look, there's probably some emotion that has bubbled back up that's trying to trap us and trying to help us to behave badly, right? And we don't want that. But you see, the thing is, we don't want that, but we also, we don't want to make an effort to grow in character. I know. I know that's hard, but it's true. It's easier to turn around and to freak out at the person who's behind us and say that it's their fault and that they made me act that way. Like, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have to respond this way. And so we, like, put the blame game onto somebody else. And all of this stuff that's been bubbling up, we can deal with it. And how? 
we lean into pursuing a godly character. And that's what Shauna has been doing over this last while. Part of it is awareness, just, just being aware that, oh, hey, I got to check this. Some of these bad habits are bubbling back up, and now I'm aware, and I can call it out of there, and I can choose to make um, healthier uh, choices. Because, you see, I liken it to, and I say this a lot to, different, to, to people, that we can react or we can respond, but both will give us results, okay? So if I am tired and grumpy and I'm disconnected from God, if I haven't had good prayer in my life over the last couple of weeks, if I haven't worshipped Jesus, if I haven't spent time in God's word, um, and, and I'm, I'm pretty weak, so it doesn't take me very long. I feel like my rope is very short, right? And I get really quickly disengaged and disconnected from God. And then when something stressful comes into my life, those bad habits come back up and I react. So I react sharply or shortly or, or just um, not in the way that reflects the transformation and the work that God has been doing in my life, right? Now, when I respond, and I want you to write, I respond in the chat, okay? Because we don't want to react, so don't write that one, right? I want to respond. You see, responding is out of patience. It's out of love. It's out of kindness. And it's because I'm connected to God, who's constantly filling my cup, constantly realigning me, constantly growing character in me so that I reflect more of him in my life. And so then I don't react badly. I respond, and I respond graciously, right? Because I'm reflecting the saving power of Jesus Christ in my life when I respond. And does that mean, you know, that you're in super trouble if you react? No, 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 no. We, we repent, we apologize, and we come back. God, grow my character. Let me choose you. Let me reflect you. Because the thing is, there are results that I want, and I don't want the results from the reaction, right? Because typically that will hurt and it will break relationship. I want the results that come from responding. When I respond out of love and grace, when I am a peacemaker, when I am humble, when I'm repentant, when I surrender to God, those are the results that I want in my life. And so you can choose that today. You can choose that. Do I want to grow in God character and get results that are responding or do I want to avoid it? Just keep coming to church just one time a week and hoping that there's a miracle that happens in your life. Well, God is greater, but he's asking us to step into growing in our character, and that's a daily commitment. That's what it is for me. Maybe for you there's some miracle grow happening, but for me it's a daily commitment of pursuing him and staying connected so that my character reflects his character. Because I am sinful, and I can pretty easily go back to reacting, and I don't want that in my life, right? I want to fill my mind with God. I want to fill my mind with God and his thoughts and his praise and his words because then that's what's going to come out of me, right? And it's so much easier to stay in this holding pattern and to have a temper tantrum and to get mad at all the people that are around us, right? It's everybody else's fault but our own. Or we start to blame God. God, this is your fault because you didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted you to. So this is now God's fault, right? It's so easy to play that blame game. And, and what it comes down to 
for so many of us is are we hesitating because we are, are undisciplined? Are we hesitating because we're waiting for the perfect time, right? Are we doing that negotiation thing with God? Like, oh, we can grow our character, but, but first you need to answer my prayer over here and then I'll do this thing over there, right? Like, I'll start living for you when. I'll start praying to you regularly when. I'll start forgiving when. And it's just like all this attachment. God, you do this and then I'll do that, right? And here, let me tell you something about God. He won't be manipulated. <laughs> he doesn't play that game. So in the end, it's you who gets stuck in that holding pattern and you just are not breaking free from that. So the time is now when it comes to obeying God. And growing character is about obeying God. And, and this is our time. It is. We are living in a quieter time where we can be more reflective. So let's grow our character. Let's not come out of this time and think, oh, I wish I had listened more to God over this season. No, 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 no. Let us be experts in waiting and in knowing the voice of God and hearing him and growing our character during this time. People keep talking about how there's a harvest coming. And I got a picture this morning when we were in prayer at 9.30 and um, we were talking about pouring out the blessing, right, that the, the next generation would come up and that they would lead. And I got this picture of, you know, when you, you, ha you sit on each other, when you make like that, um, that triangle thing and you're all like on all fours and then the next person's sitting on top of you and sitting on top of you and you make that pyramid. Pyramid, thank you, Pastor Greg. Um, and I got this idea that, that my generation and older, we're that bottom, that bottom layer, but we need to grow in godly character so we're strong enough to hold up the next generation that's coming after us. So that means we need to grow in godly character so that we can, we can help the next generation to grow in godly character. And we all know you cannot pass on something that you don't have. You can't. So if you don't have it, you can talk about it. But man, this generation will see through it. They are experts at seeing what is truth and what is false. And they will see that falseness. So let's grow that godly character and let's be intentional about passing that on to the next generation. Another challenge that we can struggle with when we're stuck in this holding pattern. Oh boy. Oh, I didn't break it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pastor Greg didn't give me his best airplane. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> Smart man. So the, the, the last uh, holding pattern that I want to talk about that we can struggle with is when we're on this airplane and we're stuck up here in this holding, holding pattern is, is the guy that sits beside us that's the armrest hog. You know who you are, right? You sit down, and, and, and they're just, like, taking all the space. They're taking both armrests. Like, how fair is that? Like, come on, you need to at least give me one armrest. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm taking all the space, right? And I kind of relate that to this holding pattern or this place where we get stuck, where we want all the blessing, right? Like, I want all the space. I want all the promotion. I want all the leadership and the honor. I want all of that. But I don't want to do any work. And so we avoid perseverance and obedience. And our world is so instant, isn't it? Everything is at our fingertips. So why should we persevere through the struggle is what we think. Well, I want to tell you a really quick um, 
cool story. I have a lot of notes left. Uh-oh. Um, get your lunch. No, I'm kidding. Um, cool story. So this, uh, lots of you know, Dwayne and I, before we'd come to Gateway, we owned a business, and uh, it was a scrapbooking art, uh, mixed media kind of a, a studio. And for a while, while I was on staff at Gateway, I was doing both things, and then, and then we decided to close the business. And it was a, an incredible uh, business opportunity. I met the most wonderful, fantastic people that I'm still friends with, and I, I loved it. But not everything Christians do is going to be this incredible financial success. Okay, well, not everything I do. Um, and so we closed the business, but we had some debt. And so business debt. And so we decided, like, of course, we're not going to walk away from this. We're going to press in. We're going to step in. And we're going to be faithful and diligent. And we're just going to pay this debt off every single month until this is paid off. All right? Well, in the fall, uh, so that's separate, and then in August and in the fall, we as a church, right, we decided to do the, the Christmas television special and just felt like God was giving us this vision for this special, right? And, and so we stepped into that, and I just kept hearing the Lord say to me, just obey, just obey, just take the next step, just, just obey, take the next step. And so we did. And you, if you remember, there was a lot of things that happened. There was a lot of like COVID closed dance studios and performers had to step away from it. And there was a lot that happened with that. But God just kept saying, just obey, just obey. We made, we went through the Christmas special. It was so fantastic. It was so glorious, so honoring to God. And then in January, personally, back to personal again, this incredible thing happened for Dwayne and I. We received this significant financial blessing. And guess what? It was the exact amount that we needed to pay off that old business debt that we had been paying off. It was exactly the amount that we needed. And it wasn't just that it was the right amount, but that God said to me, because of your obedience, I'm blessing you in this way. Now, that was mind-blowing to me, and, and Dwayne and I, we sat together on the couch, looked at each other, and we were humbled by God's blessing. And, and it was this incredible physical blessing right in front of us. But here's what he showed me that was even more important than that physical blessing was the spiritual blessing, the perseverance that we learned, the obedience that we learned. But more than that, the spiritual blessing of watching our church get engaged in prayer, right? Like we were trusting, we were faithful. And that to me was this incredible spiritual blessing that we as a community were like, no, 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 God is calling us to this and we are going to do this. You see, God is trustworthy. And your growth isn't just about you. It's about all the people that you touch because they're impacted when you grow. And in Hebrews 12:11 it says, "No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace." for those who are trained by it. You see, God is waiting for you. He is waiting, and maybe that dream hasn't been fulfilled because he's waiting for you to be obedient. Maybe that struggle that keeps repeating itself in your life is because God is like, I'm actually trying to teach you contentment, gratitude, thankfulness. 
See, God wants to give us all the blessings of heaven. He wants to release that, but he also wants us to step into perseverance and into obedience. This is how we grow. We choose perseverance and obedience. Moses and Caleb and Joshua, they waited in the wilderness in hope of God's promise. And Job waited through suffering. And David waited to be king. And Daniel waited for breakthrough in prayer. And John the Baptist waited to prepare the way. Jesus waited in the garden for his enemy to come to capture him and to take him off to judgment. Jesus waited to walk to that cross at the exact moment of when the fullness of time had come, when God had ordained and planned for it to happen. And God is waiting for you to step into growing godly character. In John 14, 31, it says, But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Let us do what the Father does. You see, this is a great verse, and these can just be words on a page, but I believe today is a day to put these words into action, to take a step toward God, a step in persevering. If you are in the midst of a trial and you haven't seen breakthrough, you haven't seen answers, don't give up persevere, persevere. God is waiting for you to step into obedience. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, it is so easy for us to get stuck in these holding patterns, Lord God, and we repent, Lord Jesus, of not trusting in you, and we ask that you would plant seeds of faith and trust in our hearts that we would pursue a relationship with you and getting to know who you are so that we would know you are trustworthy, Lord God. So come and meet us. And Jesus, I know that you come the 99%, that you come to our hearts, that you're like, just come to me. And we just have to take that 1% step forward, just that 1%. And so today I say, church, let's just take that step of faith towards God. Let's keep pressing into the battle, the struggle. Let's persevere. Let's choose obedience over the instant gratification of our situation. Let us choose to grow in godly character. And so Jesus, come and have your way in us. Thank you, God. We desire you. We desire you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.